Welcome to an inspirational message by Pastor Harold Weiss, Senior Pastor at Little Falls Christian Center. And now, Heavenly Father, as we speak to you through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Messiah, and the mediator of the new covenant, the go-between, as the word mediator says, the go-between between us and you, for through Christ and the blood of the Lamb, Christ the Lord and His flesh, we have entrance into the holy place. And with that said, we need to be always humble when we come to you and have the fear of the Lord always in front of us so that we always depart from that which is evil and serve you with hearts of gladness through Jesus Christ's name. Now, Lord, I have to bring a word to the people and I'm going to need your help. And I pray that you just simply let the Holy Spirit teach. And I thank you for this as I ask it through Jesus Christ's name. Then empower it into their hearts and change the way things are done in our lives. And so that in all pleasing, we will please you in everything that we do. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you very much, everybody. It's a, a good morning. Tonight, I will again continue with the most intriguing subject, perhaps the most relevant subject. In fact, I think the most relevant subject uh, of them all, namely the runway of the takeoff of the Antichrist, a takeoff runway. See, when that plane you know, just goes out and runs towards the runway. There's a process and then there's a takeoff. And uh, I need to talk because it's extremely relevant to the world. And of course, there's another subject and that's the return of the Lord and the catching away of the church, which is very, very important to this particular generation. But to start off with, let me read a little bit from the uh, new Amplified, or just called Amplified now, old one being the classic, I repeat again. And uh, here it says in Colossians 1.15. Colossians 1.15. He is the exact living image, the essential manifestation of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible, the firstborn, the preeminent one, the sovereign, the originator of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things some total of all things were created and exist through him, by him, by his activity and for him. And he himself existed and is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the controlling cohesive force of the universe. He is the controlling cohesive force of the universe, I repeated that with purpose, is also the head and the life source and leader of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will occupy the first place. He will stand supreme and preeminent in everything. For it pleased the Father for all the fullness of the deity, the sum total of his essence, all his perfection, powers, and attributes to dwell permanently in him, the Son. That's quite overwhelming statement. You talk about the revelation of the Apostle John and see what Paul has to say about and on a very similar subject. Well, you know what? Um, 
I have got many things to say to you this particular day because um, uh, in, in many ways I sometimes feel that um, it's, it's, it hurts me to see in society, I'm not talking about the church now, particularly not little false Christians and the people that are regularly here. You're quite in the picture with many things. But if I look at the society out there, the people just don't know which way they're going. They are like sheep being led to the slaughter. They're just there and they like being herded in any which way by whatever society is presenting to them and around them. Around the planet, it is like that. And I feel very sorry for them because I see fear, the pervading force of the kingdom of darkness, of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that rules in the sons of disobedience. I see that. Um, that uh, that's Ephesians chapter number two, by the way. Uh, and uh, so I see that they are without God and without direction and without hope in this world. In the meantime, I look at ourselves and I'm thinking, wow, we know quite a lot more here if I look at the church here and, uh, and what you've received through these years. Uh, I make it my business to teach you as much as is humanly possible uh, in this period of time. It is quite problematic because in the weeks that go by, particularly these days, uh, with what's going on, I do one huge amount of research and sit for hours. And uh, I said to Morton this morning, I think I better do some exercise because I just don't get up. I just sit and sit and work and sit and research. And um, so I want to take you to yet another thing. I spoke about the revelation of the Apostle John in our previous session. And I spoke to you that uh, in 1 John 1, he says, in uh, the beginning... Actually, John 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All right, that's the Father and the Son there together. And it says, and the Word became flesh. John 1, chapter 1, verse 14. And dwelt amongst, amongst us, and we beheld His glory. And uh, he said these words, if you can believe at the tomb of Lazarus, you will see the glory of God. In fact, I said, he said these words, he says, have I not told you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? It's for the believers to see the glory. Unbelief doesn't see no glory, doesn't hear nothing about the glory, and is quite distant from revelation. To get to revelation, you need to start walking with God with all of your might to the best of your ability. Now, you will remember that in last week, I was talking about this, the complete Messianic Aleph Tav scriptures, which includes both the Aramaic, Aramaic and Hebrew texts. And um, you see it when you read it, you see the Aramaic and Hebrew, particularly when it gets to the New Testament. You see the interplay that happens there. But, um, and in it, there are letters that if you understand it, then it brings revelation. And I spoke to you about the Aleph, that's right above my hand, and I don't think the people at the back will see it, but those close enough to see it, it's right above my hand. And the other letter to the other side is the Tav, which is really the cross. Okay, so the Aleph is like the strong leader. Always the Aleph, also the numerics, if you take this Aleph and you break it down into its components, in the modern-day Babylonian Hebrew uh, Talmud, uh, Talmudian type of block letter writing, which really originated in Babylon when they were in captivity with Daniel and, and with Ezekiel in Babylon until they came back with uh, Nehemiah and Zechariah, uh, not Zechariah, uh, that they, in, in those time, uh, they, Ezra, that they um, uh, had now developed the block letter system, but before that, it looked like what you would see on this, on this here. Now, that has been a specialist field for now some many years, and I was very pleasantly to be surprised to see when I was presented with the um, Aramaic reading that I could quite understand and read there. 
Now, you will remember, and I'm just, I'm just going to quote. Let me put a Bible here for some weight because uh, just turn the wind off the platform for me, please. Um, uh, that in, you know, where it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. That's Genesis 1 verse 1. Okay? And void. Tahu. Okay, is the Hebrew word for that. The earth was without form and void. And the Spirit of God, next verse, hovered over the face of the deep. Putting that over into Hebrew, it is like, let me say it in English first. In the beginning, God, Aleph Tav, by the Aleph Tav, which is the word, the Alpha and the Omega, the Aleph Tav, same thing. Uh, Aleph Tav, Bara, Shemayim, Shemayim Hayeretz. Then we see how every single time something gets created, that you have the Aleph Tav, which is the Messiah, in action there. He activates absolutely everything. Hence, the early apostles were quite a fay with the Torah, and they would notice this, what is known as a direct object, uh, this mysterious direct object that sits there in the middle of nowhere between words in the, in the uh, uh, what we call the Tanakh or the Old Testament. And we find that it's well over 2,000 times that you find the entire Old Testament splits up and you find Aleph Tav everywhere. But where else of great importance do we find the Aleph Tav? Now, if you take the Alpha and Omega, that's simply Greek, but uh, Greek is much younger than the mother tongue of all the nations, which is that book which I'm holding there. So Greek is, um, by looking at the Greek, Greek construct, it's, it's very expressive. It's very, um, it's why the Amplified Bible is very powerful with Greek, because it has many ways of giving you the synonyms and working it into a beautiful sentence, like in this new Amplified Bible. But it does not end with the Aleph Tav, in terms of just the creation. Again, now, Aleph Tav is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, the first and the last. The year 2022, there are 22 letters in the Aleph Tav. That's what the Word of God is, the number for the Word of God is 22. And I said 2022 for the people who do not wish to be on the runway of the Antichrist. Unless you want to be there, and if you want to be there, then I have to pray for you very quickly this morning. But um, we need to understand that 2022 is the year of the Word, the Aleph Tav like in no other year in the history. And clearly by the revelation of the Spirit through visions and revelations and the studying of these ancient texts, I've seen, my goodness, Lord, what people do not know is what they don't know. They don't know what they don't know. And, uh, and it's, 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 it's scary because there's some lots of things I don't know. And uh, it unfolds in front of me. Today I want to take the Aleph Tav, the Alpha and the Omega. And like I said, let me just say this one more time. Next year is the year of the Bible. Make sure there will be Bibles from next week uh, available in the bookshop. Rather buy a person a nice, one of those nice Bibles, uh, like Spiritual Growth Bible. It's an NLT translation, reads very easy. Uh, and um, it's a beautiful, smooth English. And it has uh, also got... If, if the person's filled with love and compassion, they can give you a Bible for a present with a box of chocolates. Yeah, Christine, next to you sits your daughter. She wants a Bible with a box of chocolates. You see, that's how it works in this place. Carl Hines, shall we think of him too? 
No chocolate screen. All right, okay. All right. Now this morning I'm going to move on with the Aleph Tav. And if I say Aleph Tav, be careful now because when we talk about him, then we're talking about the great creator who became your savior. And you better know that we all need a savior. And we, we all need to know that there is a battle going on for the souls of men like no other time in the history of the world. You'll hear more about that tonight as I begin to talk about things like mind control and the Antichrist. I'm going to talk about the Aleph Tav or the Messiah involved with the covenants of the Bible today. Now watch how this one unfolds. Every time there is a covenant that says uh, Aleph Tav Olam and then Berit. Uh, whenever you have covenant, you have with the covenant, you have Aleph Tav. So the one who is, the one that activates and works the covenant in each case, right through the Bible, to the ultimate sacrifice, is the Aleph Tav. And he mysteriously appears every time God makes a covenant. And the significant covenants are the ones which are olam, which means forever. So, like if we go and uh, let's go to Genesis chapter number 9 and verse 13. I'm going to take it, I'm going to work straight here from this book. I think it's just about as good as it can get. Because I just see Aleph Tov everywhere. Where I'm reading it, it's all over. Some sentences have to be, if it's a really very important statement, then it goes up to 11 times, 13 times in one sentence. So Genesis 9.13, my rainbow, I will set in the cloud and it will be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. The cloud is the manifestation in brackets of Yeshua, Jesus, Hebrew, uh, Exodus 33.10, Nehemiah, or Nehemiah 9.19. And it will come to pass when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow will be seen in the cloud. Verse 15. And I will remember my Aleph Tav covenant. God the Father speaking here. I will remember my Aleph Tav covenant which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters will no longer become a flood to destroy all flesh. Notice here the cloud is a manifestation of Yeshua, and when God sees that rainbow, He says, I will remember my Aleph Tav. And this, if we look at it, is connected, if I read the whole text here, you find that it is Olam, in other words, eternal. So this is something which, which God, there's a rainbow around the throne of God. Go to uh, the book of Revelation chapter number four. But okay. So here we have just one place. Let's go to another place. And um, I go to Genesis. Let's take it chapter 17. 
because there's earlier references to the Aletaf with Abraham in from 15 through 17. I'm, I'm just going to take uh, chapter number 17 from the book of Genesis, and uh, I will show you verse 6. I'll make you exceeding fruitful. This is now Abraham. And I will make nations from you and kings will come out of you. And I will establish Aleph Tav, my covenant. Through Aleph Tav, the covenant with Abraham. Between me and you and your descendants for all generations as an everlasting covenant, a Ulam covenant. You see that? So therefore, if you look at just this particular verse, because there's many similar ones to this here, my struggle of the week was just to find one that, and they're, they're all suitable, so I just took this one eventually. Um, here you have an Olam covenant, in other words, an eternal covenant. This is Abraham. Now, we know Galatians, from the book of Galatians, um, chapter number three. It says, now we know, we understand those who are of faith are the children of Abraham. If we go to Galatians 3.29, and if you are in Christ, you're Abraham's seed. Let me repeat that. If you're in Christ, you're Abraham's seed. Galatians 3.29, and joined heirs according to the promise. So the Ulam, the everlasting covenant, comes through the Aleph Tav on the cross to you. In fact, he's the one that activated the whole thing. So, let us move on. Now, here we have a certain man called Moses. Exodus 19, I'll take this one here. This is now verse 1, is in the third month after the children of Israel had gone forth out of the land of Egypt on the same day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. Now, um, now it says here in verse 4, you, and I see Aramaic all over the place here, you see what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice, Moses and the people of Israel, and keep Aleph Tav, my covenant, two separate words, Aleph Tav and covenant. So, who was the mediator of this covenant? The Aleph Tav. Who's involved? in this covenant from Abraham all through to this day. In every single case, it was him. Now, here's another one of Moses, Exodus 24. And I'll just read 8, verse 8. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, This is the blood of the covenant which has been made with you concerning all these words. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Nadab, and Abihu, and the 70 of the elders of Israel went up on the mountain. And now let me read this to you one way and let me read it to you the real way. And they saw 
Elohim, the God of Israel. Let me read it again. Separate word. And they saw Aleph Tav, Elohim. Of Israel. The moment you say everlasting covenant, or you have to do anything with everlasting covenant, you have the Alpha and the Omega present. Greek is simply the translation of the same word, same letters. You have you have him there. Now it goes on through the Bible. Like I said, there are like two thousand, well over two thousand actually places that if you do a computer search on this specific word. It shows you that this is my goodness. But here in Jeremiah, let's go forward to Jeremiah. And I'm going to go to 31 and verse 33. There's a prophetic one, this one. This shall be the covenant that I will make with Aleph Taf and the house of Israel after those days, says the Almighty God. I will put my Aleph Taf, my Torah, there's 613 laws in the Torah, the laws of Moses, in the inward parts and in the heart, I will write it. In fact, it is, there's no other letters by which God created, but through the Aleph Taf, everything was created. In the inward parts, and write it, and I will be the Elohim. Elohim is the triune God. Because El is singular, Elohim is plural. And they shall be my people, and they shall teach no more every man Aleph Taf is neighbor, and every man Aleph Taf is brother saying, know, for they shall know me. Know Aleph Tav, for they shall know me. In other words, know the Alpha and the Omega, and then they shall know me. From the least to the greatest of them. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, and remember it no more. Says he, Aramaic, who gives the sun for a light by day and ordinances of the moons and stars for a light by night, who stirs up the sea and also the waves that they roar. Now it's very interesting that God begins to forespeak. Say, people, you are going to learn to know your God, how? Through the Aleph Tav. And he's right there. They shall say, no, no Aleph Tav. Now, if you know Aleph Tav, you know him. And now we think of Moses where he says, that I, show me your face that I may know you. I could have taken you there as well. Just let me know you. Because Moses struck revelation. Him and the 70 elders saw the Aleph Tav, the God of Israel, struck revelation. Um, before I read the next scripture, which is coming to you from the book of Zechariah, um, I want to just explain something to you. In the Old Covenant and the Old Testament, right, it was not 
It was never about the sacrificial animal. It was about atonement with God through the blood of the sacrificial animal. And the word atonement in Hebrew means to cover over. In other words, if the sins of the old covenant, the blood of animals uh, were shed on the altar, it was if I have my hand painted, there's a white spot painted right here in the palm of my hand, but I paint black, black ink over it. Is the white spot, if I didn't remove it, is the white spot still there? It's still there. Why is it still there? It's covered over. That's atonement. So therefore, when God sees the blood, um, Leviticus 17, 10 to 14, tells you the life of all flesh is in the blood, and I have given it on the altar for atonement for your souls, to make atonement for you. So God had animals die instead of people by sacrificing those lambs and Every day they had to bring a cow and slaughter the cow also in the tabernacle. And they had to be constantly, they had to go and bring new again and again and again um, sacrifices to God to, uh, to, to literally, I would almost say, pay through life. Okay, the wages of sin is death. So something has to pay. So an animal that God approved could pay for them for atonement. So now we look at the new covenant, Brishit Hadashah. We look at the new covenant and we look at the Lamb of God. And I want to take you and show you a scripture here about the Lamb of God. They perhaps get those um, graphics that I want. And just put them up quickly. I just want to talk about them before I read this verse. You have the covenant, the Ark of the Covenant. And here you see the high priest standing before the Ark of the Covenant. And uh, this graphic is not the best one you can get. I'm trying to get better quality one. But if you see there, the angels. Notice those angels exactly. I had two visions. And in both visions, the angels were like that, and their wings were like that. The front wing was open, and the back wings touched behind. Okay, so you can't see because you see the Aleph Tav right in the middle. Okay, and then you see one wing was open, and there was the high priest that could get to the mercy seat, and... Next one, please. Fundamentally, the same picture. You see the wings touch, and then you see also the high priest, but now instead of Jesus, what do you see? The Aleph Tav, the Hebrew letters there. Now, if it does not get you to read the Bible next year, I don't know what will get you to read the Bible. They say to me, I, I'm, I'm still studying every single day of my life. And it's problematic because I'm thinking all the time, how am I going to get rid of all of this knowledge and turn it over to the next generation and help them to get some shortcuts to all of these things? Because it's so much. It's like... I could be in school forever and not be able to consume all of this. This is just too much. But um, now, in Zechariah chapter number 12, chapter number 13 and chapter number 14 is the Armageddon itself. Now, the Armageddon is when Christ comes from the mountain 
the Mount of the Olivet, and it describes in chapter 14 him landing with the armies of heaven and all the saints following him. And Enoch the prophet also prophesied that. And he will land on the Mount of the Olivet and go through the Golden Gate, which is on the eastern side of the temple, the temple site. And there he will destroy the Antichrist with the breath of his mouth. The sword will go forth from his mouth and the beast and the false prophet will be cast into the lake of fire. They're the first to go to the lake of fire. Revelation uh, chapter number 19, the last verses. You find that up to 20 and then 20, Satan is bound for a thousand year, years. And uh, here you see where Jesus lands on the day of the Armageddon. Shall be a unique day. You can read Zechariah 14. You read the Armageddon plus the scriptures of Revelation. I'm not going to get into the Armageddon now, but it's it's quite an explanation. It's a very interesting one too. Um, it says here, verse eight, when Israel is being attacked. This is Zechariah 12, verse eight. That day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And he that is feeble among them in that day shall be as David. And the house of David shall be as Elohim, the Godhood, the Godhead, the triune Godhead. And the angel of the Lord will go before them. And it shall come to pass in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Okay? Verse 10. And I will pour out on the house of David or David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication and say they shall look to me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one is in bitterness for his firstborn. Take it purposefully again. In verse 10 in the middle, they shall look to me, Aleph Taf, whom they have pierced. The Alpha and Omega. That's what it says here. In this text here. Both Hebrew and Aramaic. So all of this resistance of the Messiah will come to a sudden end when in the day of the Armageddon they see him whom they have pierced right in front of them. I was talking to some family members because uh, one of my sisters, my younger sister's husband died and so it got me talking to the family and, and all of that. And I said, for me, all of life is summarized in one sentence. What did you do with Jesus Christ while you were alive? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And you have these Either people are living in doctors altogether, doctors, they're not saved. Then you have the fence sitters, the draught sitters, the man pleasers, the people pleasers, and the compromisers, they sit on the fence. And then you have the kingdom of God people. When the church is caught away into heaven, to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, each one will be, 1 Corinthians tells you about that, chapter number 3 there tells you about we will receive according to the works that we have done, not according to our sins, according to our works. Why not according to our sins? Because he's paid for our sins on the cross. 
He became both the blood, the body, the sacrifice, and Messiah all in one. And now, he, okay, let me get to this as the last point. Unlike the animals of the Old Testament, he did it all for once and for all time. It's ulam, it's forever. The everlasting covenant. Are you getting something out of this? How many of you want to hear more about this? And I said, all of life depends on what you've done with Jesus Christ. Can we summarize in that one sentence? See, you have a, grave, a gravestone, tombstone. You have born, say, 1910, died 1990. And then there's a little line dash in between. And that simply means that signifies a period of time that your life lasted on earth. But going into the spiritual realm, in what I call the physics of non-physics, you find out that God is the God of yesterday, today, and forever, all in one. The three in one God is all in one. He's yesterday, he's today, and forever. If you are in the non-physical realm, in visions of the Lord, you look forward, backward at the same time. There's no time there. And so when he, when he looks backward, obviously, he doesn't even have to look backward. He's, he is yesterday, today, and forever the same. And the pain of the cross is reality forever. And so anybody at any time that come to Jesus, while we, while we still can, while we can, come to Jesus, give our hearts to Him, ask Him to wash us in His blood and accept His sacrifice of His body on the cross for us, may enter into the throne room of grace and enter into covenant with the Lord. But now, what happens here? We're talking about the Godhead. We're talking about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If we talk about the Godhead in our discussions here, it is amazing that now Jesus Christ, the Lord, said to them, Verily I say to you, follow me now. Have all, like I always say, I have all your catches out, all your tenor right now, all radars working full scope on me. He said, the Aleph Tav said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And what you say, in the same chapter, he says, and let me tell you something else. He says, verily. That means emphatically, I say to you, whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, the Aleph Tav, he will give to you. So the object of your prayer is always to God the Father through Jesus' name and in the name of Jesus. Father in the name of Jesus. A Father which art in heaven. Avenu shima shimai itkadesh shimcha. Tavomachu kai yasehet somcha. Shima shimaim ken ba'ais. If you go into the, into the royal prayer of, of, of him in the Hebrew, you see the same thing. Our Father which art in heaven. Who's the object of the prayer? The point, who do you pray to through the mediator of the new covenant? Who's the go-between? The Messiah. So through Jesus, we can come boldly to the throne room of grace. And so we have access to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the object of our prayers is always the Father. When I realized this, and I realized this, if I read John 14, 15, 16 to 17, that whole section of the last words of Jesus, and I, and I read what he was saying in his last and final words to the disciples, and I think of these things, then I realized that he says emphatically, if you ask the Father in my name, that he will give you, and I'll send you even a helper, which is the Holy Spirit. A helper, Parakletos, okay? Advocate, stand by, 
intercessor, counselor to be with you. So the Holy Spirit's your helper when you pray. But when you pray, you pray, Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. So that brought me and my attention went from there to this. And I'll close the morning session with this. It brought me to the thought that I wonder if we actually understand the full nature of God the Father. Because it is that important to get some glimpse of who He is. Shall I give you one idea of who He is? The everlasting God. Olam, His name forever. The everlasting God. Shall I give you one idea of His character? John 3, 16, For God so loved this world. Who loved the world? That He gave His only begotten Son. There's the Father giving the Son. There you have an idea of who you're dealing with. Did you ever make a, a study of the Father Himself? So that you'd understand that the law served as a tutor until Christ came. And when Christ came, He cut the covenant in His own flesh on the cross opening the door of salvation to get into the Father's presence through the Aleph Tav. They shall look upon Him whom they have pierced. And therefore, He, the Father, so loved the world. Now I have news for you. I could have preached on a thousand other things. It might have sounded a little bit, you know, offbeat of what you're used to. But good for you if that was the case, because at least you learned something. And it would have been good for you indeed be good for you, to understand that God Almighty, the Father of heaven and earth, the possessor of all things, His Son, the Alpha and Omega, the Aleph Tav, and the Holy Spirit is saturated with love for you. Love becomes the propelling force that sends His Son to earth to die on a cross. His Son's Spirit, I like the Afrikaans saying, you know, in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, um, it says these words, okay, let me first quote it in English, so i just orientate you in case there's some people who won't understand me now. It says, God who at sundry times divers men has spoken to the fathers by the Son, by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by the Son whom being the great brightness of His glory and the express image of His person, and says, and upholding all things by the word, the Aleph Tav of His power. By the word, the Aleph Tav of His power. Upholds all things. All things consist. Okay? Whom being the express image of His person. Whose person? The Father's person. So when the Father saw the express image of His person in suffering on the cross, that person called the Aleph Tav, the Alpha and Omega, on the cross, wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. That person did that because He had the same Holy Spirit as the Father. He loved you. And by His great love, that's why He did what He did. And he's the perfect sacrifice, spotless, sinless. There's a whole thing I can tell you about that also. So therefore, as we enter the journey into the Christmas time, Christ celebration time, Christmas, Christmas. Afrikaans, Kersfius is a very bad translation. Very bad. Just, I mean, it's just like, not right, not right, not right. Because it is Christ, it is Christus Fies. It's certainly the last thing Afrikaans that can come. I'm going to begin to think about Afrikaans, but in any So, the same love wherewith the Father loved you, the Son loved you, and the Holy Spirit, your helper, loves you. It's the Spirit of Christ. See? 
Now, on your behalf, he went through all of those things. And on your behalf, you can now look forward to a different year of 2022 than what the world will have to face in 2022. Are you listening to what I'm saying? And therefore, be of good courage, for the Lord is with you. How many believe that? How many believe that He loves you? How many of you still need to go to Jerusalem on the day of the Armageddon and see Him whom they have pierced? But you know Him already. And He's dwelling in your hearts. And you love Him too. How many of you love Him too? Let me see your hands. Let's stand up. Give the Lord a praise offering, everybody. I want to switch the dimension to the world, not the people of God so much as what's busy happening in the world system and the runway of the Antichrist. It's like an aircraft that's going to take off and you know there's all sorts of things happening in the cockpit. Check, check, check. This begins to happen. That started up. That started up. And there are all those things. But let's talk about the pathway and take off uh, runway of the Antichrist tonight. And may you have a blessed Sunday. If you now understand, I love you with the love of the Lord, you'll understand what I mean. Father, I thank you right now. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with everyone. In Jesus Christ's name, the Lord bless you and keep you. Lift up his countenance of you, be gracious to you, and grant you eternal salvation and peace. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.